Hello, bonjour, hello, hi, heya, and previet hockey fans. Welcome back to the Euro Puck Podcast, the show where two Brits talk all things European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Hayden, or Odd Man Rush, as you can see up there, and joining me for the first time in a couple of weeks, is the first time we've actually got together for quite a while, it's my co-host yeah. Chris Gadsby. Hey, Chris. Hello. Oh, hey. Yes, we've been together. Well, I had a week off, then you had a week off, so it's been three weeks since we've last been together. Yeah, and I can very much imagine that nothing has happened in our lives since. <laughs> no. No, not yeah. a thing. <laughs> I, I mean, the only thing we can I really... bought house insurance. Oh, you bought house insurance. Wow. I mean... I, I renewed the house insurance. Yeah, that's... Exciting. Uh, thrilling. Oh, I know. I mean, I bought myself a Wayne Gretzky jersey for my birthday. Does, does I that saw, count? Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, that's exciting, right? <laughs> it's hockey related. <laughs> so yeah, it's you're, something. You're... Related. Yeah, exactly. Um, but today is uh, what's the date today? It's Tuesday, the third of November. It's our first episode in November. It's obviously uh, the U.S. election today. Uh, for other stuff that's been going on in England, uh, the lockdown. We've got another month-long lockdown at least announced. So yes. <laughs> even though we've both been sat at home for pretty much all year long, uh, we're being yep. sat at home for a little bit longer. So you know, yep. well, kind, kind I was of the same. anyway. Exactly. We, we we got told a long time ago that we're staying at home until March at the earliest, so it doesn't really affect me. No, and I just stay at home anyway because you know that YouTube grind. So, um, but an <laughs> anyway, uh, even though there's been this lockdown announced, even though we've kind of everything's a bit doom and gloom at the moment once again because it kind of feels like we're repeating what happened right at the beginning of the year. Um, luckily for you guys, we have a very special guest joining us again on this episode of the Europuck Podcast. We've been. Uh, Chris and I have been very active looking for certain uh, guests to come and bring on the show from sort of all over the hockey spectrum, whether it be uh, commentators, coaches, uh, writers, reporters, uh, actual players themselves. We wanted to make sure we get a nice sort of variety to kind of mix things up instead of just going through scores and stats and news every single week. Obviously, we're going to come back to that as we go along. Um, especially when we when we were kind of in that late December, early January slow pace of, you know, everybody's kind of recovering from Christmas and they don't really want to make a guest appearance because they want to maybe lose a few of those Christmas pounds before they decide to go back on camera. Um, <laughs> but we have got Caitlin Berry joining us today on the Europuck podcast. And for those of you who either don't know who she is or kind of sounds familiar, especially to some uh, UK hockey fans, she's very much involved with the OHL. She does a lot of reporting for Dobber Prospects, I believe, with regards to the Ontario Hockey League. She runs her own podcast, which I believe is called Hockey from Across the Pond. I will, during the interview, we will double check to make sure that that is all right. We're literally about to interview her as we record this right now. So um, we, I've, we've got some great questions lined up. She's very kindly taken some time out of her schedule. I believe she started a new job recently. So she, she was like, look, okay, I've, I've got some time. I'll come and sit down for like 30 minutes, an hour, and kind of just chat all about hockey because... She, she's a writer, she's a, a blogger, she's a podcaster, and she's kind of similar to me and kind of similar to Chris to the extent of she's from the UK and she's a hockey fan and is kind of starting to make or has made a career out of it, which is a, a very unconventional thing to do here. So Chris, I, I'm very excited to kind of get her thoughts on the OHL. Um, she interviewed Liam Kirk a few weeks ago or a month or two ago, interested to get her thoughts. What, what are you hoping to kind of get out of this interview? Yeah, um, some really interesting stuff. She'll have some interesting stories as well. And it'd be great to get another perspective of how somebody else has got into kind of this line of work that we find ourselves in. Um, as you said, it's more of 
it's a more unusual um, like line of work and not a, I don't think I met many people when you go through school that go, I want to be a hockey broadcaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> they wanted to be footballers and you know, not many people wanted to be. And even if you said hockey broadcaster, most people over here wouldn't understand you because they'd think you meant field hockey. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to get uh, just a, another perspective and, and story about how they came to uh, came to this wonderful sport of ice hockey. Exactly. And I think that's the perfect place to insert the interview that we're about to have with Caitlin. So without further ado, let me play for you the interview that Chris and I did with Caitlin Berry on the Europuck podcast. So as some of you might be able to tell, Chris and I are joined here with a very special guest. Uh, we have Caitlin Berry here. Um, who, as some of you might know, as we've talked about in the intro uh, we've recorded, uh, she's very much involved with the OHL. She does a lot of uh, GIFs and a lot of uh, tweeting about the OHL. Um, she's got her own podcast, which I believe is called Hockey from Across the Pond. Is that correct? That is correct. I wanted to make sure I got the name right because I want to <laughs> give you the plug that you deserve. You know, you're taking the time to come on the show. I may as well get the bloody name right, you know. Um, so, yeah, we've got Caitlin Berry here, which... Um, I, I would reckon you could probably do a far better job than I could, Caitlin. Do you want to just like take a second to explain what you kind of do in the hockey world, where, where, your, where your kind of interests are, and just kind of give a brief overview to our listeners of, you know, what you do? Okay, well, I kind of occupy a lot of kind of different spaces in the hockey world. I started off doing some hockey writing. I was a member of an OHL writing website for a while. That ended, and then I turned to mostly just the Twitter side of things, so... I started a thing where I was trying to make GIFs and highlights and, and videos and clips of every single hockey game I could for about a year. And that seems to be the thing I'm still kind of doing right now, apart from the fact that we have no hockey. So yeah. well, there's been no hockey on. Yeah. So since the lockdown started and a bit before that, I've been doing a podcast with my friend Mark. And for some reason, we still have things to talk about, even though there's no <laughs> hockey on. So it seems to be going kind of well. Yeah, but believe me, I mean, we, uh, Chris and I on the Hockey Podcast Network, where which this show is obviously on, we did the Boston Bruins last season, kind of up until the end of the their playoff run. And, hmm. you know, when obviously hockey kind of came to a standstill, the world kind of came to a standstill last March, uh, is kind of, we had to sit there for, I think it was about half of our time we were doing the show, we didn't have any games to talk about. Is that right, Chris? We did. We did. <laughs> well, we did best Bruins ever we did yep. fantasy drafts yep. we did all sorts when what was the what was the last game you saw live then Caitlin because we've been going back quite some way oh yeah live do you mean like in person or, or through video no in person the last one oh. you're actually able to go to the last one I was actually able to go to was probably in Nottingham with the GBL and qualifiers uh, when they did that tournament earlier, I think in February this year, and that yeah, was the February, last yeah. games, last games I was I was able to go to, and now everything is shut down for the foreseeable yeah. future. Yeah, so sad. Yep, and uh, we just mentioned in our intro that obviously uh, the UK is shutting down again uh, for another month, um, <laughs> in the hope to save Christmas. Hopefully, it's done by then, but you never know. Twenty twenty's been. I saw a... the first Christmas advert of the year yesterday. So. <laughs> I mean, uh, 2020's been a fascinating year. I, I can never quite believe anything that happens. Um, so, Caitlin, the, the biggest question I want to ask you, I think, out of all of the questions I think we've, we might have is, how did you get involved in the OHL specifically? Because obviously, becoming uh, or getting involved in 
the sport of hockey from the UK is one thing, you know, getting involved in the EIHL or the NHL, because obviously it's the huge league that, you know, the biggest league in the world. But the OHL is kind of, it's very niche or very, you have to be really interested in the sport to even know that the OHL exists, especially across the pond over here. So, so how did you kind of get involved in that? Yeah, it kind of came through like a series of different steps. Like first, as many UK hockey fans do, I got into the EIHL, um, which led to me watching the NHL. And then I think it was around 2016 when I was just getting into hockey. I got really into the NHL draft for some reason that year. And then it kind of revealed to me this entire other world of junior hockey. And I was still kind of in that stage of the early obsession where I just wanted to know everything I possibly could about everything to do with hockey. So I was like, okay, this is an entire other bit of hockey. I'm going to start watching this. Um, don't know why I picked the OHL specifically. I think it was because by that time I was a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. So I was like, yes. okay, Ontario, <laughs> Ontario, let's pick yes. that. <laughs> You're outnumbered um, here, Hayden, sorry. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so yeah, and I just started watching a couple games through any any means I could. I think the best thing for me was getting involved in it, though. Um, I had a university year abroad, actually, and I actually went to live over in Ontario for a year. And I lived in a town just off Kitchener. So I managed to sit in the Kitchener Rangers rink for what felt like an entire year. And that, that, I think that was the kind of thing that really solidified, like, oh, yeah, this is a fantastic league. I'm going to be watching this probably forever. And it's just got worse from there. <laughs> Yeah, you, you you always find it starts somewhere and then, I mean, because uh, we, we've mentioned it on the show uh, a couple of times in terms of where Chris and my love of the sport came from. Um, mm. I've been watching it for like the last sort of, it was kind of the Bruins uh, Cup was when I definitely started watching it, which funnily enough, I'm not a Bruins fan. So we, we, we can get on just fine here. It's okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's like, when's the first kind of draft that you really remember then? Because you said that the draft was kind of a big catalyst for... Um, you, uh, you know, getting involved in the OHL. Is there a specific draft that you remember? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the 2016 one was where I got into it, but I can't remember a ton about it. I think it would have to be, I think 2017 or 2018 was when I started following the prospects, like through their, through their junior journeys and actually researching and, and buying a bunch of guides and reading everything I could, scouting reports. And I think it was the 2016, 2018 draft that I actually had my own opinions about the players and that just felt really cool because these people were getting drafted and, and and you were kind of able to say I like that pick I don't like that pick and that was not really an experience I'd had in sports before because I'd never really been a sport person um so yeah I think that was the main catalyst of everything and then it just became okay I can do that with some of these picks I want to do that about all of these picks I want to know more about it and that was kind of what happened yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you've started, like you mentioned, you started looking at certain players and then make, making your own judgments on picks. And then you notice that other people start to get interested on, in your thoughts on those picks. You think, oh, hang on a minute. Like, I wasn't expecting anybody else to like want to know what I have to say about this. Because, you know, you've got all the, the Darren Dragers, the Craig Buttons, the Elliot Friedmans, you know, giving their like the as the insiders of the NHL or the Bob McKenzie, of course, he's been around forever. But then, but then there's people asking, oh, Caitlin, like, what do you think about this pick? Do you think it's a good pick for my team? And it's kind of that moment, that transition. I've noticed it with the, the channel that I do on YouTube. It's like people then start to ask you questions about the sport. And you're like, yeah. 
oh, mm. I, I didn't really, I wasn't like expecting this. <laughs> you know, it was like, I'm just here to talk about it. But now you want my opinion, yeah. you know? It's interesting. I find the same thing. I'm commentating and people are asking, what do you think about this? I'm like, hang on, you want to know what I think? <laughs> you want my opinion on this? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm just here to talk about it. You know, I'm just here to do my yeah. job at the end of the day. Um, Chris, do, do you have a question? Uh, I, I, I want to make sure you get to talk a little bit because otherwise I'm just going to be <laughs> here like just like spewing questions out. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of, obviously the, the OHL for us over here in, in the UK is, is kind of jumped to the forefront really, I think, because of one Liam Kirk. Yes. Um, and, and being with Peter, he's, he's definitely jumped kind of to the, to the forefront. How do you, obviously you've, you've followed his path quite a bit and, and, and spoken to him. How do you feel his first year has gone? I mean, there's a point per game in the first year. I mean, how do you think it went? Yeah, I mean, um, he's been about, I think it's been about two years in the league right now. Um, it was amazing for me when he was actually drafted into the, into the league because that was, I started writing about the OHL a couple months before he was drafted into the OHL. So as soon as he got drafted, I was like, right, I, I, I know a lot about this kid. I know a lot about the OHL. I can kind of be the bridging point of helping like introduce OHL fans to kick and helping introduce kick to OHL fans kind of. Um, so that was really exciting. I think... I think he's uh, exceeded a lot of people's expectations in his first two years in the OHL. I think when he got drafted into the NHL, there were there were a ton of people going like, oh, this is just like a PR pick for the Coyotes. He's not going to actually do anything. He's never going to actually make the NHL or anything. Um, so when he made the OHL, I don't think people were expecting a lot. Um, also because they had no idea where his ceiling was. He'd just been playing men's British hockey, which is a tough league for anyone to play in. Um, so I think when he went to the NHL, he surprised a lot of people. Obviously, he struggled at the start. It's an entirely new game over there. It's completely different from over here. But he kind of, he, he found his feet and he started scoring and then he started feeling it and he started picking up pace. And I think the last last year, he was injured for quite a lot of it, unfortunately. But he, he yeah, like he said, he had a ton of goals. He was point per game. Um, I, I think a lot of people, he forced people to look at him and be like, this guy's a legitimate prospect. He's not just, oh, he's just this British kid who was drafted in the seventh mm-hmm. round. He's not just, oh, this person who's, who, this British kid who's trying to get an NHL place. He legitimately became, okay, there's this very, very skilled British kid who possibly could get an NHL spot. I think he surprised a lot of people. and But I don't think he surprised himself is, is the thing. Because... Um, uh, as you mentioned, we we chatted to Liam a bit on our podcast, and his attitude throughout the entire thing was, "I can do this. I can be better. I I know that I can go here and perform. I know that I could perform if I get a chance." And it was just very very surprising because he wasn't actually that surprised that he got drafted into the NHL. And I just thought that refre- that attitude was just so refreshing to hear from him. Uh, absolutely, what it's kind you... of. Oh, sorry, sorry, Chris. You you go. You go. That's all right. I was going to say, what do you make of his move across to, to Sweden in this mm. in this time? Is it a good a good move to kind of keep playing hockey wherever he can? Yeah, actually, I really really like this move. Um, obviously, the OHL's not starting up; it's been pushed back even further now. It's been pushed back to I think January or February when it's going to start in December. So he needs somewhere to play. Um, hockey shut down in a lot of places. He obviously can't play in the UK right now. And a lot of the Swedish leagues are playing. And I think Swedish third league as well, is, which is what the Hockey Etern is. Um, I think that's a good level for him. It's still men's hockey, but it's, it's not obviously not like top level. Mm. Um, I, and I, I think it's a league where he can go in, feel comfortable with the pace of it and actually be able to 
show what he can do. Um, I mean, in his in his very first game on the team, he had I think two assists and a goal in his very first game in this league. So hopefully, what I'm hoping that he'll get out of this is he'll get a chance to kind of flex his skills a bit to to, to be one of the better players and kind of. Uh, not be playing catch up all the time. I'm not saying that he is in the OHL, but if he progresses to a higher level, he will be one of those guys playing, kind of playing catch up to the level. I think this is a good opportunity for him to kind of hone his skills and try and make little creative plays and actually learn what he can do. Yeah, definitely. And I think it kind of, like you mentioned, he's got off to such a good start over there as well. There's obviously the possibility that if he keeps playing well, we might see him in the old Svenskun by the end of the year. And especially if the OHL gets pushed back even further to the pushback that they've just brought in, then, you know, spending most of the season playing against second tier, third tier Swedish players, that's a that's pretty good company to keep, whether you're, you know, you played in the OHL for a couple of years or you're rising up through the ranks elsewhere from uh, throughout mm-hmm. Europe and everything like that. I, I think yeah. it's, it's kind of... I, I want to get your thoughts on this as well, Caitlin. It's, it's kind of whether it's Kirk or some of the other British prospects we've got here or, or prospects from countries that are unconventional hockey markets. I, I think it would be a fair thing to say that you've got to have a bit of that because you, you mentioned Kirk was kind of confident but not cocky about his abilities. Mm. And you notice that a lot of the sort of great hockey players, um, all of them have to say about some of the great ones is, you know, they they knew what they could do, but they didn't they didn't have a huge ego or they didn't present it in a way that, you know, they, they came across as cocky or arrogant or, or have a massive ego. So the, these players from these unconventional markets, they kind of need to have that chip on their shoulder if they want to succeed, would you say? Yeah. I, I'd say if you are from like UK or somewhere that is a sort of non-traditional market, I think on, on the one side, you have to be confident that you know what you can do. You have to know your skills. You have to know what you bring to a team into a game. But you also have to be dissatisfied with where you are. Um, we see a lot of of UK like prospects who are, are kind of content where they are in the UK. They're the top of their junior leagues or the top the top of their league they're in right now, and they're fine with that. They like being at the top. I think if you if you're one of these people who truly wants to make the jump to the NHL or make the jump to a higher European league, you have to. You have to know your skills and you have to know that you can be doing more than what you are. You have to have that drive to play in a better league, to play against better people, to learn more. And I think Kirk definitely, definitely has that. And I actually think there are a couple of other GB prospects who who have that drive and who might might be kind of showing their faces in the actual GB men's team in, the, in a couple of years. Mm, I think there is that a kind of almost like a prejudice that if you've got like a Great Britain flag or, or a kind of lesser hockey nation flag against your name, you've got to work that much harder to be noticed, particularly over in America and, and Canada, than somebody who's, you know, learned to skate before they can walk. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we see this a lot with, with the OHL, for example. You have tons of, of, of Canadian kids who come in and they get noticed and they're fantastic. And then you have someone like Liam Kirk coming in or someone from like uh, Czech Republic or, or a different European country. And they have to prove what they can do before people actually pay attention to them. Like Liam was obviously an interesting case when he came into the OHL, but people weren't too bothered until he actually started performing. And then you have um, 
some guys that came on the team last year. I can't remember his name. Mark's going to kill me. But there's a guy on the Kingston Frontenacs who came into the team. No one really expected a lot. And he ended up doing incredible that year in the OHL. So, yeah, I think there is a tiny bit of a pressure to, to show what you can do, but also just to try and learn as much as you can. Yeah, it's, it's kind of being a sponge to everything, isn't it? And, and you, you know that, uh, especially a lot of the rookies in the NHL, for example, all the interviews that they give, they say, oh, I just want to like make sure I learn as much as possible from the veteran guys or the guys that have been around the block a few times. I, I think based on what we've seen from, from Liam Kirk and some of the other you know, prospects, whether it be in the, in the major junior circuit in North America, whether it be in places like the KHL, for example, where um, I, I don't know if, Chris, you saw that I, I tweeted this earlier, because of the, the situation, you know, the, the pandemic mm. and lots of teams going down with the virus. Because like you mentioned, Caitlin, the, there's lots of leagues that aren't playing, which a lot of them we've covered here on our podcast, but there's also leagues that are playing that have been really badly hit by the coronavirus. And the KHL is yeah. the number one, suspect of that but there's been 92 different players under 20 years old that have played in the KHL already this season they're not even halfway Mm. through so it just goes to show that hockey kind of is becoming a a bit more of a young man's game and it it might be an unconventional opportunity that these guys are getting with you know some of the star players being out but that doesn't mean that you can't go into say the Peterborough Pete's locker room or go into SK St Petersburg or CSK Moscow's locker room and make an impact straight off the bat right Hmm. exactly um I, I think there's a, a case where, where you have all these kids and, and people playing in North America where people don't quite know how that translates to the to the levels of the European leagues. And they'll go somewhere like the KHL and they'll either be amazing or they'll struggle because it's a completely different game. It just depends on what goes on. Um, but I think right now it is literally just a case of playing hockey wherever you possibly can. I mean, there's very, very limited ice time in the world right now, pretty much. So if you if, if it takes going to the KHL to get some ice time, go for it. If it takes going to Swed- the Swedish Third League or DEL2 or somewhere, then that's what you're going to do if you want to play this year. Absolutely. Yeah. Chris, yeah, do, you have, how, do you have anything? Go for it. I was, I was going to say how, obviously, your kind of big affinity with the OHL is a lot to do with the location when you went over there. How do you kind of think the the OHL kind of ranks and differs with the other junior leagues over there, your, your QMHL, your, you know, your East Coast League? Yeah, that's actually an interesting one because these definitions seem to change quite a lot. Um, the way that things are standing right now, people see the WHL as the league that kind of produces defensemen. That's, that's the kind of defensive heavy league. And people see the QMJHL as a very offensive heavy league, like a lot of scoring, not a lot of defence. Um, I think even in the draft just gone, a lot of the, the defensemen out of the QMJHL, they all had the actual defensive game as a weakness of their game because they were more offensively focused. Um, I think the OHL in comparison to the two of those is seen as kind of the most competitive and the most well-rounded. Um, all the teams are kind of closest together. So you, you play a lot of games against a lot of other teams. So you get that sort of competitiveness there, but also... It just has some of the best prospects in the world, and there seems to be a. F- There's not just a focus on defense. It's not just a focus on offense. And I'm not saying that that's a blanket case for the 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 WHL or the QMJHL, but that's just what they're characterized as. And the OHL is is seen as the hardest league out of them all. Um, like you have cases where kids who can't quite find a place on OHL teams get sent to QMJHL teams, and they end up doing really well. 
Um, that's not saying the QMJHL is necessarily worse, but the game is slightly different there. Um, ultimately, though, it's just a case as a fan of what, what do you like watching? And there's obviously <laughs> a, like pros and cons for everything. No, I, I, what would you... Oh. <laughs> no, Chris, you go for it. You go for it. You're on a roll. What would you say, like, is the way that the OHL plays? You've said obviously it's different to over here and it's slightly different. What is kind of the OHL kind of way of playing? I would say, in a way, it's like a mini NHL. Uh, not obviously not as skilled at all, not as fast at all, but it is fast. It is skilled. Um, obviously, you're dealing with teenagers, so it gets quite rough at times. Um, you get hormones flying everywhere. It's generally what happens. Um, people hold grudges. You get fights lasting entire games. It's interesting. Um, but also, I think the thing that characterizes the OHL for me and the thing that I really love about watching it is that all of these kids have so much to prove. You get the ones who are destined to go to the NHL who want to try and like raise their draft stock as much as possible. You have guys who maybe were signed as free agents who want to prove they're worthy of the NHL. Like these kids, are, they're still learning, but they're all desperately, desperately trying to find a handful of, of, of NHL spots. And I think every single game, there's hardly anyone who takes a game off or, or, or takes a shift off in the OHL. Everyone's going out there. Everyone wants to prove themselves. And it's very, very evident in the way they play. A, a lot of games feel like like playoff games and then when you actually get the playoff games sometimes it's like an entire melting pot and crazy things happen and it's just insane um so yeah and i think a part of that is that because it's it's so crazy and so unpredictable you just literally don't know what to expect like think crazy things can happen uh, because these teams are still learning like you can have a team that's down like zero six in the first period the end of first period and then they end up winning the game like 11 10 or something it's like you get absolutely insane score lines and it's just so fun to watch uh, speaking of it being what you say because go, go for it chris go for it <laughs> we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna do this over <laughs> every question so you may as, well, <laughs> may as well do it go for it <laughs> we are going um i'm gonna say that again interesting when we're when we're over here like we I see games and report on games in the elite league and because they haven't got anything to prove, like they're not desperately trying to get an NHL spot, as you say, you get like midway through the third period and you're down by a few goals and you just watch them just kind of not mm. trying as much as they were and giving up. So it's almost like every game is a, is a playoff game in the NHL because they never know when a scout's going to be watching them. They're trying to impress every single time. Whereas over here, when we've got players in their 30s and what have you, who are towards the end of the career, they know that kind of this is the, as good as it's going to get for them. And they're almost, at times, just going through the motions to get a paycheck if the game's not going their way. Mm. It's very, very different from, from I'm going to say EOHL hockey, because I haven't seen a lot of other UK leagues. Um, EOHL is, as we know, it's getting a ton more skilled than it used to be. Mm. Um, but... North American leagues are, are just a step up and even North American junior leagues. Um, but you have in the AHL, it's a tough league to play in. It's still pretty physical, even though it's not as physical as it used to be um, in terms of just fighting every single game. Um, but it is tough. These are men and they've, they're maybe not the most offensive guys on their team, but they know how to play. They know how to do the, 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 yeah. all the little things right. They know how to play defense they're not giving you an inch in here. Whereas in, in, in 
someone like the OHL, they're kids. They make mistakes. They try little fancy moves and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Um, but I think that's just, I think, I think both leagues are very fun to watch. I am an EIHL fan as well. Which elite league team or just? I mean, I grew up in Wales, so has okay. to be Cardiff Dells. And not choice. just bandwagon, not just bandwagon. <laughs> but... I went to university in Cardiff and just the, the cold in the big blue tent is just when we were down there whenever whenever nottingham went down there i'd mm. I'd, I'd go when i was at university and oh it was so cold i love the big blue tent just just a wooden structure blue tarpaulin and ice that was pretty much you could it. hear the music from about half a mile away because the tent <laughs> just didn't hold the sound at all uh, there, there were times when i thought it would just break entirely because everyone used to stamp when, yeah. when the games were going on the entire place would shake just for, oh, what a rink. I miss it a lot. So we've talked a lot about the OHL and you've obviously discussed how, how maybe more well-rounded it is uh, compared to some of the other major junior leagues in North America. The, the one thing I do want to ask you about, especially regarding the OHL, is the news that there may or may not be body checking taking place in the OHL this year. Obviously, the Ontario Health Minister, uh, the Health and Sport Minister, I believe it was. I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but she's come out and said, look, if the OHL wants to play, you've got to have no body checking because, you know, the potential that it could have to spread the coronavirus. Uh, you might know a little bit more about this than us because obviously you follow the, the OHL far better than us, but um, has there been any more sort of discussion about how that's going to work? I, I think I saw the Ontario Premier. Is it the Premier that they call the guy in charge of, of each of the provinces? Um, he said that he wants to have body checking. It still sounds like there's a bit of a bit of infighting within the government there. Do you think there's going to be no body checking? Is there going to be body checking? Like, What's the latest in terms of the rules and how the OHL is going to go about doing things this year, if there is a this year? Yeah, it, it, was, it was a very weird situation this week because we had, yeah, the, the Ontario Health not Health Minister, Ontario Sport and Tourism, whatever else she does, uh, Lisa McLeod, you had it just adamantly saying, right, it's going to be, if the OHL wants to come back, there's going to be no body checking, no contact whatsoever. That's, it, it's a health matter, not a politics matter, and a whole bunch of other things she was saying. Interestingly enough, another thing she said was that she came to the conclusion that there should be no body checking by watching the QMJHL, the Quebec League, because um, that started up that started up in October, and there have been a lot of well, a lot of uh, coronavirus outbreaks on those teams. Um, what's interesting to me is that she says, "Okay, no body checking because there's been outbreaks in the QMJHL." As far as I'm aware, there's been no evidence out of the QMJHL that it was teams playing each other that caused the outbreaks. They were all localized on the teams themselves, um, but. I'm not a health minister. I'm not, I, I don't know that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so she was very adamant. She was replying to everyone on Twitter. People were getting annoyed. And then the Ontario's Premier, Doug Ford, was like, I'd like to see there be body checking. This isn't decided yet. There hasn't been a, a decision taken. So no one quite really knows where we're at. Uh, we do have about three months to actual, actually come up with a, an answer on this, whether there will be body checking or whether they won't. Personally, I don't understand the decision to not have body checking. Mm. I think I think it might be a, it might be one of the measures you take to to prevent people getting too close to each other to prevent the a COVID spread. But you take that measure way after you do things like separating players on the bench, making them all wear masks in the locker room, uh, limiting the time on the team bus, and everything. And those things are just not going to happen. 
So yeah. body checking feels like too little too late if you're not going to do the rest of those things to me. And, and realistically, how much contact are you actually going to have with someone else by throwing them a hit? Um, if you ban body checking, you're going to have more time digging for pucks in the corners. There'll be people in closer proximity trying to battle for pucks. So it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I know there were a lot of people on the yay physicality in hockey side of Twitter that were very angry at her. I don't mind about physicality in hockey. I, I would watch hockey if there was no body checking. I just don't understand the decision to take it out especially when it's such a crucial skill for these teenagers to learn, these young players to learn in terms of decision-making and, and, and what you do on the ice and where you position yourself on the ice. It's such a crucial skill for the next level. I, I just can't see a season going ahead with no contact, no body checking whatsoever. It just doesn't make sense. It, w- it just wouldn't be the OHL. It wouldn't be OHL hockey. Um, but as things, are, as things are playing out right now, I honestly don't think we'll have an ohl season at all but you know i live in hope <laughs> don't we all don't we all i mm-hmm. mean i mean we've got to have something to keep us uh, you know uh, occupied with all of the, the the lockdowns and you know everything else going on so so it sounds like obviously like you said uh, nothing's been decided entirely in terms of mm. body checking it might just be a couple of people jumping the gun or wanting to you know put their stamp or their opinion on on how they think the, the season should run. I, I think it's a good point that you make about will it make a huge difference in A, you know, whether it'll actually curb the spread of the virus if the virus is present on the team. I, I'm, I'm very much in agreement with you in the sense that there's so many other steps that should be taken in order to limit that as a possibility that... Let's be honest. I remember listening to, I think it was Overdrive on TSN. They did a, a discussion about this. And they mentioned nobody's like going face to face with somebody when they check them. They're not like breathing into no. their face. So like, no. so like the chance of the, the virus actually being spread in, in a body, from body checking is kind of minuscule. And then the other thing they brought up, which I think is really important, is the fact that if there's no body checking and, and they take out that kind of physical element of the game, yes, it, it might become more of a skill game. And we've seen examples of other leagues that might not necessarily have as much checking. Uh, women's hockey has been an example where everybody's like, well, the, the product is great. Women's hockey is great. There's less checking in it. It's still a fantastic product. But at the same time, like you mentioned, Caitlin, you need to be able to body check. You need to be able to withstand hits if you're going to have a hope in hell of making it to the NHL. And there's a lot of these prospects, a lot of these guys that are hoping to go in the first, second, third rounds, maybe even get drafted at all, where the physicality is a huge element of their game. And if they don't get the chance to showcase that um, against uh, either players their age or get the chance to showcase it whatsoever, that they might be in a position that because of one decision that's made by people that don't necessarily play the game or or are involved in uh, the league itself, we could see these guys not being drafted by NHL teams or or going far further down and maybe not getting the sponsorship offers they might have got beforehand. So it can have a real effect on on a player's career, can't it? Yeah, and I think another major part of this is that I think part of it is because the OHL season is in doubt, but I think another part is is this news about no body checking. We're seeing quite a lot of uh, um, like 2021 NHL draft picks out of the OHL expressing desire to play in Europe or actually going to play in Europe. Um, there's one that I know of, Chase Stillman, who, who's, he, he's a, a draft pick for next year's NHL draft. He's, he's gone to play in Denmark uh, because there's no OHL hockey right now. And I think it, if there is no body checking, you will see a ton more of these players going like, okay, then I'll, I'll, I'll play somewhere where I can actually play a proper hockey game. Because I'll, I'll, I, 
there's nothing stopping them apart from maybe their OHL team saying yes or no. There's nothing stopping like, them just going to Europe. But it would, to me, it would change the game a lot because if you can't have like an instant check and then go away, then surely you can't have any board play at all because then you're in a massive scrum. You're far more likely, surely, to pass it in face-offs where you've got two people, faces right next mm, to each exactly, other. Exactly, yeah. The forever to drop the puck they're there for five ten seconds rather than an instant hit and and you're away again yeah exactly and i think i think another part of it is that just it, it's so so unlikely to get it from there but also mm. if you are trying to 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 outlaw body checking in the ohl or whatever you, where do you draw the parameters of what counts as a check yeah like yeah exactly how do you define it? Is it just just bumping into someone? Is it just going next to someone? Is it specifically a hit along the boards or is it something else? You, you, you get into a whole definition thing where any yeah. contact can be considered a check, any contact can be considered not a check. It, it just, it's just, a, I, I, I'm, I reasonably cannot see how it can actually be done. I think it's like with all of these sports and what we see it in football over here as well is that you can't really play competitive sports and not come in close contact with other people. Like, you know, football, where you can't make a tackle if you can't go near the person. Hockey, you can't, you know, put someone against the boards without being close to them. They've even restarted the, the Six Nations. I mean, if you're wrong for a close contact sport, <laughs> check out, you know, 15 men in a scrum with their heads all together. You know, I, I think you just need to kind of, get to a point where you take the precautions but you've still got to play the game the way it is maybe you've just got to have social distance hockey and everybody has to stay two meters away from each other and you know like that that's going <laughs> well, to be an you exciting might as well just product. lie down in front of the goal <laughs> exactly mm. but then you can't get too close to the goalie because then you're two meters too close and then then there's another problem it, it kind of sounds like <laughs> they're going to have to completely rewrite an element of the rule book which Kind of well, sounds you may like, as well not call it hockey. Exactly, and it just sounds like so much more hassle than is worth. Really, it's kind of like then you get to the point: is there any point really having a season or going? Okay, guys, kind of similar to to the elite league here and some of the other leagues. Going, look, we're not going to have a season this year. Like you've still got some time to go in the season. We haven't hit the new year yet. Go and spend a few months in either a comparable league or a or, or whichever league you want, and kind of get some reps in. You know. Which comes yeah. back exactly to what Caitlin said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's it's just not going to work. And the uh, the OHL is one of those leagues that cannot survive with no ticket revenue for an entire season. A bubble situation just isn't feasible because these are kids going to school. Um, something needs to be done for us to have OHL hockey this year. And I don't think taking out body checking is the answer to no. that. I think a lot of people have... They've seen what the NHL did with finishing the playoffs and gone, well, why can't we do that? Mm. And what they failed to realise is quite how much money that cost the NHL. And that was just a case of finishing off a season, not playing an entire season with no fans at all. Because they, they did lose a, an extortionate amount of money just finishing those playoffs off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and there were a bunch of teams that individually themselves lost a ton of money mm. from that. It's just not feasible for something that isn't a top, top sports league. Mm. 
Yeah, and I think if you're talking the World Junior Championships, like we've mentioned on the show, you know, mm. they're mm. going to go into a bubble, kind of do the similar kind of thing as what in the Edmonton Arena, you know, because that's where the Stanley Cup finals were held and the conference finals. For a week, 10-day tournament, that's perfect. You know, you've, you've got your rosters, they're sorted, they quarantine for two weeks, they then go play. Then if they're eliminated, they can leave again, problem solved. But like, like we've heard with the NHL, there were some talks about doing some bubbles and, and there's obviously been the discussion about maybe realigning the divisions. What I think people seem to forget is the NHL has millions and millions of dollars behind them. It costs them millions to have the bubble going. Um, so the good thing is from that perspective, they've got the financial backing to be able to go, okay, we can put something out there, but similar to the OHL or the other major junior leagues or the EIHL, there's just, like you mentioned, Caitlin, the, the game day revenue is the biggest percentage of the money they make every single week of throughout the entire season. So if you can't have either a certain amount of fans, there or fans are completely, um, denied uh, the ability to go and see the game then a lot of these teams, if you try to put a product on the ice, they're going to lose money and they're going to be bust by the time the season's over. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's a really sticky situation because on one hand, we know you can't have fans in the rinks right now. Um, like in Sweden, they, they just had to change it from, what, 300 fans to 50 fans because there are a bunch of COVID outbreaks in, yep. in a couple of arenas. Um but, and you also just cannot survive as a team without that ticket revenue. There's just the question of what do you do right now? It might just, it might just be a case of just cancelling the season entirely like that I think they might do in the UK. Well, yeah, I think that's what's coming in. I mean, we said uh, when we spoke to, um, with, the, with the BBC, they spoke to Neil Black earlier in the season and he said, we need the arena two-thirds full to break even. Uh, with the what well, the National Ice Centre holding seven and a half thousand, and they said, "Well, we've worked it out with the mapping, and you can have about two thousand fans in." Well, it doesn't take a genius to work out that two thousand isn't sixty-six percent of seven and a half thousand. Yeah. So it's much easier for the for the clubs, and obviously Nottingham is one of the richer clubs in the league as well. Um, it's much easier for the clubs to kind of go into limbo and not have player wages than it is to to try and put something on. The worst case scenario is get a team together because you're told the league is going to start. You play for a month and then everything kind of goes wrong again and you have to stop. And then you've spent all these player wage bills and, and then you've had it. I mean, even with the even with the NHL, I mean, obviously t t today is election day in America. We don't know what the new president is kind of rules or anything that they might put in depending on the situation. I think it's just 2020 right now. Everything <laughs> yeah. is unexpected. No one knows what's going to happen. Minor sports are doomed in most countries, definitely yeah. including the UK. It's quite this, this is a <laughs> this, this is a year which is going to come up on GCSE history papers in oh, a few yeah. decades' time, isn't it? And yeah. Assess the impact of 2020 on everybody. Yeah, <laughs> quite literally. But it, it's kind of the by the sounds of it, the OHL, the, the one comparison I think Chris and I can draw based on the stuff we've talked about on this podcast is the German DEL. Obviously the DEL2 mm. has been playing as far as I'm aware, but the DEL, they've pushed back their season for a second time. Um, there's been no talk uh, as far as I'm aware in terms of limiting some of the rules or whatever, but at the same time, they've applied to the German government to try and get some emergency funding because they've just, they've lost so much money from the fact they can't play. They're, it's kind of every single different aspect of it 
whether it be the financial side, the, the social side, you know, trying to do all of these different things. It, there's always one that doesn't quite line up and it causes a problem for us. Then it's like the whole thing falls down again, doesn't it? Yeah. And there are so many of those issues. Like I, I'm pretty sure the OHL has applied, if we're talking the OHL, it has applied to the, the Ontario government for funding. But another major sticking point with the OHL is that there are three American teams in the league. Mm, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you balance that? The border's pretty much closed. You, you, you can't physically keep going across the border. Uh, parents aren't going to want to send their, their children into COVID-riddled America to play games. And, and there's, there's a question of what do you do there? Do you, do you keep these teams based in, in Canada? That'll take a heck of a lot of money. But mm. how, how else do you do it for the season? That's that's a massive issue that just hasn't been cleared up yet. They've had a couple of meetings on it and it just hasn't been solved. Because I, I don't know how it can be solved. So yeah, you have all these issues and just nothing seems possible. I think that's another problem that we've got here is that we've got well, a, a league of 10 teams in four different countries and they've all got different rules at the moment, which is yep. also <laughs> hindering our problem, you know, hindering the league getting back over here. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating time, isn't it, 2020? Um, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think we're all at the point where we've just all had enough and you know what's going to happen. It's going to tick over to the 32nd of December by the end of the year and we're like, okay, what's going on here? Like, it, I feel like the last thing we need is just like the apocalypse and everything's just going to like end, <laughs> you know? To be honest, I think, the, I think the first half of 2021 is going to be much like the 2020. Yeah, so. yeah it, it's, it's going to be a question of how long does it last after the new year and it's going to be like, oh, it's only going to last a couple of months. Oh, it's only going to last half the but year. That's what we thought. That's what we thought exactly. last year. Yeah, exactly. It? So it's all been doom and gloom. 2020 sucks and we hate it. And the quicker we get out of it, the better. But rather than be doom and gloom for the entirety of this podcast, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask Caitlin if there's any exciting things you have coming up in terms of uh, your work with the OHL, with your podcast, with Mark, like you mentioned. Have you got any what are your kind of plans in terms of within the hockey world within the next kind of months? It, it, have you got some fun things to look forward to? Cause we need something here, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, we have a couple of potential things coming up on the podcast. There's, I need to message someone that I keep putting off and Mark's been yelling at me to message this person. But if, if we get this guy on the podcast, it'll be a massive coup for our podcast. Um, one of the premier hockey analysts in the NHL, um, hopefully. But that's that's kind of still kind of on the back burner. Um, aside from that, again, it's very difficult to make plans in mm, hockey yeah. right now. Um, I think uh, if we're talking about the um, work I do for Dobber Prospects, we're going to do an updated 2021 NHL draft ranking because we're still doing that despite the fact there's no league right now. <laughs> so that's that's coming out soon. But apart from that, there's there's, it's really just playing it by week by week, seeing what happens. I know at least in the UK, the um, the NIHL streaming series of games yes. has just been given the green light yes, to go that's, ahead. That's so, um, a highly debated topic yeah. among, uh, amongst <laughs> people in the NIHL. <laughs> yeah, but if, if 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 it does go ahead, we might actually get some hockey to watch. So mm. that'll be interesting to see at least. It's like at the end of the day, I'll take what I can get at this point. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't care if it's grassroots hockey, if it's NIHL, if the NHL decides to come back. Like, just give me some hockey and give it to me now, because uh, we've been yeah, starved we'll, of this we'll sport for so play, long. 
We'll just have to play hockey video games in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the only option we've got, really. Um, but yeah, um, is there anything else you want to ask, Chris, before we finish up? Um, not particularly. I was going to say that we should do, if stroke, when the NHL starts up, we should do like a, a group podcast, like fantasy draft and pit like Euro Puck podcast fantasy team against, <laughs> against other podcasts from around. Get, get Caitlin and Mark on and... <laughs> Yeah, we, we need, be fun, yeah. Yeah, we need to like kind of network with some of the other podcasts. Uh, like, yeah. we, we need to find more like UK-based hockey podcasts that we need to mm. kind of have a chat to. I know there's a couple of others out there that we haven't quite reached out to yet, but we're, we're, we're Chris and I have been sitting there juggling because we decided to just throw out a load of invites to a load of people and now we're sitting there going, oh, like loads of them actually got back to us and want to come on to the show. Yeah. So we're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we need to put this person this week and uh, we need to put this person next week. And we're like, oh my God, there's so many people. <laughs> yeah, it's like players, coaches, refs, podcast yeah. people. It's like, what yeah. do we do? <laughs> and then we're like, oh, we've got enough hosts or, or enough guests until Christmas. We should be great. And then it's like, oh, Ooh. but then we need to talk about so many other different things as well. Like uh, there's a constant changing landscape. Where are we going to fit it all in? It's, I mean, at least... I'd rather be in that position than kind of sit there like our Boston Bruins podcast last year and be like, well, they're not playing again this week, you know? <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do this week? Or even when they were playing, it was, oh, they won again this week and Pasternak scored again this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, just to round it off, Caitlin, do you want to just uh, give uh, the people listening to the show a bit of an overview of the podcast that you do? Um, obviously, I would imagine that a lot of people listening to this might be interested in your podcast, especially if they're interested in the work that you do and, you know, the kind of discussions that we're having here. I would imagine that would kind of interest them. So so tell us about your podcast. Yeah, so uh, it's called Hockey from Across the Pond. Um, Mark, at Mark UK Leaf on Twitter, he's the one who came up with it and he's the one who was the main guy behind it. He brought me on in January, so I've been in co- his co-host since then. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, like, as you said, you message people, these really high up people or people who you think are kind of out of the league of the podcast. And they're always so, so generous with their time. And they're like, fine, let's go on. So we've had a lot of really, really great guests in the past. Um, we did a series just as lockdown hit um, when it was the uh, one year of, of GB's miraculous uh, games in, in the world championship. So we did a, where well, we interviewed a bunch of GB people from staff. We had Chris Ellis, we had, uh, and then we had like people like Ben Bounds, uh, ben Davies and we had a, a bunch of players on as well and that, that was really really fun obviously as we mentioned in the podcast uh, a bit earlier we had Liam Cook on as well as a guest on one week which is amazing since that's for some reason Liam Cook has become Mark and Mine's brand for the podcast um, <laughs> yeah we've, we've, we've had a couple of great guests out of the OHL as well we had Ty Nelson who was the first uh, the first overall draft pick into the OHL and yeah so we, we we chat to people we have good guests mark and i debate random things we talk about hockey news all over the world we debate about fruit which has been the last few weeks for some reason like what is better oranges or lemons i don't know why we do that okay but yeah again it's locked down there's hardly any hockey on you're trying to find stuff to talk about we did a series just as lockdown hit about like what was your favorite tv top five favorite tv shows top five favorite serials top five favorite a bunch of other things <laughs> so it's not exclusively a hockey podcast okay if you yeah if you want to hear two people just rant about anything for an hour or so just a bit of escapism from the the bleakness that's going on then yeah check us out it's always a lot of fun so it's a uh, hockey it from across the pond kind of similar to 
you, you want to go, Chris? Yeah. I was going to say, it was, well, I was going to say, it seems very much similar to our feature of what exciting thing has Chris done this week? <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's kind of that. You, you need to find something exciting. to talk about. Yeah, exactly. You just need to find something to talk about at the end of the day. So, so just to clarify for everybody listening, it's called Hockey from Across the Pond, and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. I would imagine Spotify, yes, Apple. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it's on it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, it's on Anchor, it's on a whole bunch of other things. You should be able to find it on most podcast providers. Okay. So yeah, and check us out. Perfect. So if you enjoyed listening to to this rambling about how the OHL is what, what's <laughs> going on with it and talking about uh, British hockey, then I'm sure you guys would love that podcast there. Um, thank you very much, Caitlin, for joining us. We really do appreciate you taking the time out to come and sit with us yeah, for, for a little while. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been fun. So yeah, that was our interview with Caitlin Berry for this week's episode of the Europuck podcast. A very big thank you to Caitlin for joining us this week. I don't know about you, Chris, but I had a really good time. Did you enjoy talking to her too? Oh, of course I did, yeah. I mean, I'd hope so, because otherwise, you know, not enjoying talking to our <laughs> guests wouldn't give a very good impression. But, you know, I had to put you no, on the spot there really. a little bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I think on that note, it's a perfect place to end this week's episode of the Europuck podcast. If you want to keep updated on all things Europuck podcast or send us your thoughts, opinions or questions, either from today's show during this interview or for our next episode, you never know, we might have another guest coming up, um, then you can send them to us at Europuck podcast on Twitter or if you want to go and follow either our individual Twitters or send us your thoughts more personally to one of us, you can follow myself on Twitter at oddmanrushyt, as it says up there, or Chris at Chris underscore Gadsby. Thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll see you again next time. Have a good one, folks.